Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Welcome back, everybody, to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. And get ready, because today we're talking to Melissa Griffin, who specializes in helping people monetize their passions. Yep, that's right. If you've ever wanted to have your own online brand, you know, monetize something that you're really good at, make incredible money from it, she is your woman. And we get real. I mean, we teach you exactly how to get started with about $500 and be making money in your first 90 days. We talk about the fastest way to growing an audience online right now. Uh, We talk about getting past the fear that's holding you back from monetizing your dream. So even if you know how, we're going to show you how to get past that fear that might be paralyzing you. And we even get into why she posts her income and expenses on her website every single month for all of you to see. Wild, right? But best of all, we talk about how she raised almost a hundred and twenty grand for Pencils of Promise in just two weeks. So get ready because this epic online millionaire is one of the most giving souls I've ever met. All right, Melissa, I am so freaking excited to have you on. And I mean like geeking out excited because you represent every thing I love about entrepreneurship and giving. Thank you, Chris. I, I am so excited. Um, I remember meeting you at the summit of greatness before we ever really got to know each other and just feeling blown away by who you were as a person. So to be able to sit here and chat with you on your podcast is an honor. Totally meant to be. I think that we ended up in the same mastermind this year. Yes, we did with Lewis House, and it's been fantastic. So I kind of described, you know, what you've accomplished up to this point in the intro, but I really want people to get an idea of where you came from. So, you know, here you are, somebody who is literally known as an expert in helping, I love the phrase on your website, I I help heart-centered hustlers grow their audience and income online. How in the world did you ever get started in this? Yeah. So I started my business um, when I was an English teacher in Japan about four years ago. I was out of college for a few years working as an English teacher and just not feeling like I was being lit up by what I was doing. Like it didn't feel like it was my purpose to be an English teacher abroad. Um, So I was really looking for some sort of community that I could build online and help people become their best selves and, and become more creative. That was my whole goal never intended to turn it into a business, just wanted to create this blog and online community. Um, And then it just started spiraling into these different things as I got more and more invested into blogging and the online world. So I had a web design studio for a couple of years. And then from there, I, I was blogging kind of about how I was growing my web design studio. And people seemed really interested in that. They were like, wow, what are you doing to get all these clients? Or how are you able to run this business without business experience? So I was teaching a lot of what I was learning myself. And I found that that was more of my passion was just showing people 
how to run their own business and how to have that freedom in their own life. So now I teach online courses and workshops for people who are very much in that position now where maybe they have a job or a life that is not necessarily bringing them joy. They know that there's more out there for them. Um, and then they come to me for my courses to help them learn the marketing and audience building side of how to do that. That's incredible. So it all started with a blog. Was the blog just a way for you to vent? Was it a way for you to, you know, kind of yeah. tell people what you're doing in life? It was really just a bunch of free information, wasn't it? It was. It was. It was very much personal about my life, but also geared towards personal development, like teaching people things that I was learning just in a life personal development sense um, and also trying to be creative. So it was a lot of like random art that I would do and kind of DIY projects and very much a medley of random stuff. So it was just this hobby creative outlet that I had for a little while there. It's funny when you have these hobbies or these creative outlets and you give away great information for free, it always turns into something that you can monetize. But that first step is giving away great info for free, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you didn't go from having a blog to this overnight smashing success, I'm guessing. When was the first time that you said, I think I could make a little bit of money with this? So I, I got really into it really early on. Um, it was about four or five months into it when I was thinking, I was kind of looking around, seeing all of these other bloggers, and I didn't even know what a blog was before. I didn't know that this whole world existed online. But I was seeing all these other bloggers who seemed like they were doing this full time or they had these little side careers that they were making out of blogging. And I was wondering how I could kind of get into that too. So I had always had web design and graphic design as a passion of mine. I just loved designing things throughout my life. So about six months in, I, I decided to start launching some design services and it was very inexpensive. I just completely undervalued everything um, that I knew how to do. So very inexpensive, but within about three months after that, so nine months after starting my blog, I was able to quit my job and do it full time. Now I wasn't like, rolling in the dough there. I was very much just making ends meet and, and trying to make this happen. Um, but it did start to grow from there and become my full-time business within about nine months. That's incredible. And now you've taken it as far as teaching everybody else to do that. Matter of fact, you know, on your website, it says that you specialize in helping people monetize their passion, which is something that I totally geek out about as well. I think that's why we yeah, hit it off so much. Absolutely. So can anybody do this? I, I believe that they can. I think the, the key thing that anyone has to keep in mind is how are you helping people? Because whatever your passion is, if you can teach somebody how to do it or how to use it in order to help their own life, then they're going to want to pay you to, to do that for them, regardless of what industry or niche you're in or what you're teaching people. As long as you're helping somebody, that's something that anyone would want to pay for if their problem is big enough. So you said as long as you're helping somebody, give me an example of one of your favorite clients. You don't have to name their name, but somebody that had this great idea, they wanted to help people and you helped them turn it into an income producing machine. Yeah. So I actually just, um, I just interviewed one of my students earlier this morning who had a blog for a long time, much like me, and she taught yoga on her blog. So she would do little videos and she would have blog posts teaching people about how to do yoga at home. And she was telling me how basically for yoga teachers, they'll go into a studio and make a few dollars to teach a class. And it's just not very sustainable. And it's hard for yoga teachers to make money. 
And then she launched this course teaching people like average people like you and I about how to do yoga at home and, and wellness. And she made $70,000 from that course in three and a half weeks. What? So, right? Was she expecting I'm, that or was this like, oh my God, where did it come from? I think a little bit of both. She put in the work for sure. She was she definitely put in the work to to work on her community, build her community and create an amazing product. But I think there's kind of this stigma that in certain niches like yoga, maybe I have a student who has a sewing course that's doing really well. I have a student who has a course teaching people like how to draw with markers and it's doing really well too. And um, I just think people don't realize that there are all of these sub niches out there with people who are willing to spend money to learn what you already have in your head. So it's an amazing thing. Oh my God. Somebody has a course on how to draw with markers. And it's, it's, it's a specific type of marker. It's like called a, a Copic marker, I believe it is, a Copic marker. And there's a certain style of art that you can do with a Copic marker. And she teaches people how to do that and is making, I believe, a full-time income from it. Oh my God. Think of all the people you're setting free. Okay, this is awesome. I'm, I'm totally getting geeked out. I've got to <laughs> ask you, what is the craziest passion or the craziest hobby or the, the most off-the-wall idea that anyone has been able to monetize yet? So Copic Markers is definitely up there. <laughs> I did have another student who has a course about paddleboarding, which is um, definitely an interesting one I had not seen before. And there's, yeah, I mean, all of these different creative ones or athletic kinds of courses that maybe we, we don't necessarily consider would be fit for an online course, but work so well. Every time I see those, I get super excited. Well, listen, this is why I was, I feel, I feel like we're living in the most exciting times ever if you right? are an entrepreneur that wants to make money especially online because it's you can monetize anything right now as long as you are adding massive value anything yeah it's like the age of information i mean with google and and all of these websites where people can just get information so quickly we want information we want to learn how to do things and people really care about i would say education and learning but in a a freer sense where they can pick what they're educating themselves with. So that's why I feel like online courses and, and teaching what you know is, is this huge movement right now and why I think everyone should consider getting in on it. Okay. So we probably have all these totally excited people listening right now and <laughs> you know how we kind of build up stories in our head like, Oh, that's for someone else. It's not for me or I'm too busy or I would love to do this, but I don't know how, you know, we all have that chatter in our head. Yeah, absolutely. How much time, let's picture like a busy mom or dad that wants to do this. How much right. time and money do they really need to set aside and invest in order to start getting some kind of return on their effort? Yeah. So let's just say that you wanted to create an online course. So in terms of money, you really don't have to spend very much. You can spend about $100 on a microphone and then maybe $100 on your screen recording software. And that's kind of all you need to set up your website. Maybe you have to pay for hosting, but for less than $500, absolutely, you can have a profitable business. Um, and then in terms of time, it, it's something where I like to tell people that we have the time most often. Um, we have it. It's just that we're, we're not willing to sacrifice a little bit of leisure time for 
um, work time. So maybe it means getting up an hour earlier every day to work on your business, or um, maybe it means that you sacrifice a few weeks of yoga or whatever fun thing you like to do. But the time often exists if we make space for it. Um, it's just a matter of are we willing to make that sacrifice in the vision of something bigger that's out there for our lives. But I, I tell people that within 90 days, even if you have a really busy schedule, I believe that you can grow a big enough audience. You do not need a huge audience whatsoever to make money from an online business or have clients or courses, um, but to, to grow a little audience and to launch a product or a service and really start making money from it. So 90 days, making those sacrifices, it's totally possible. $500 and 90 days to possibly change their freaking life. 100%. That's insane. Okay, so let's talk about the other side of this, and that is what is the most common thing, because you've worked with thousands and thousands and thousands of people. What What's the most common thing that holds you back from, not you, holds these people back from their success? What's that common thread you see? Oof. I see so often that amazing people doubt themselves, that they, they don't have the confidence and there's so much fear involved in putting yourself out there and um, not knowing, especially when you're teaching information, we all have this tendency to, to not think that we know enough and to feel like we have to learn more before we're able to teach it or we're not experts, we don't have a PhD. Um, and I think a lot of it is because of how we were trained to think about education. Like there are the teachers and the professors and the people with the credentials who are able to teach it because they have some sort of degree to do it. But when amazing people who have really important experiences and knowledge start to feel like they aren't qualified, then to me, that's, that's a problem. So I see a lot of confidence issues um, and people just doubting their gifts and, and their ability to help the world. Do you see that too? Not only do I see it, I've felt it before. And I, oh, I know Lori, yeah, she wouldn't mind me talking on her behalf. She's felt it before. It, it, it sometimes creeps up. I don't know if it ever goes away. You just kind of learn to yeah. take action despite it. Yes. Yeah. I think that's what it is for a lot of types of fear. It's like the fear is still there. It's still this kind of like dormant thing inside of you you can feel, but it's just a more of a matter of learning ways to cope with it or learning ways to um, not let it be that guiding force. Like, is it in the driver's seat or is it in the back seat? And how can you kind of rotate it so that your fear is, is not driving your life? Let me press you on that a little bit more. Yeah. How can these people get past this fear that's paralyzing them? You know, they've got doubt and fear. They're stopped in their tracks. Are there, I don't know, meditations, mantras, courses, how do they get past it? Yeah. Um, for me, it was very much about just doing the things that freak me out. Um, and if that sounds way too simplistic, then something else that they, they can try is um, to, to keep some sort of journal about the positive things, like what's going right in your life? What are the small steps that you're taking in the right direction? And, and what are those mini accomplishments that you're feeling throughout the day? And also kind of meditating too on that at the idea of gratitude or appreciation. Like maybe you got a comment from somebody who was really moved by something that you wrote or um, you got you posted an Instagram photo and people really seem to resonate with it. And all of these little things that we feel throughout the day are just these like tiny moments that if we don't take time to actually write them down or meditate on them, they're kind of fleeting. But when we actually do take that time to make them a bigger part of our focus and our perspective, then I feel like that's where the real changes start to come. It's, it's actually 
a psychological um, theory or it practice that therapists often talk about called CBT. Um, it's called cognitive behavioral therapy, where you basically write down something that you believe like an anxiety or fear or worry. And then you write down three pieces of evidence why that's not true. So maybe it's that you're not worthy to um, create an online course because you don't have enough knowledge. People don't respect you. And then your evidence could be things like, well, you just posted an Instagram photo last week that people got a ton out of because you saw their comments or you got a great email the other day from someone who is really um, used your advice in, in a substantial way. So when you start doing that, it's just about like reframing those negative thought patterns we have about ourselves into something more positive and then taking action when you start to feel those inklings of maybe I can do this. And then when you see that you can do it, that's when it really starts to change. I love it. Can I ask you what was your biggest fear that you had to get through? Um, I think a lot of it was tied to that too. Just the confidence of not, I kind of went through a lot of my life feeling just insecure about me not being worthy or enough and not really having anything to add to other people's lives. So that is something that I've, I held on to for a long time. So when I was starting my, my blog and my business, I very much like didn't want anyone to know I was associated with it. Like I didn't want to put my photo on the website. I remember when I put my photo on the about page after months, I, I was like cringing at the thought of people seeing me and, and thinking like, who is this person to think that they know anything about this? Um, so that was big for me was just getting over that fear of maybe I, maybe I do have something to say and maybe it is helping people. Well, wow. you know, thank you for sharing that because that will help people, you know, unlock their own fears and, and take that step, that transparency. And it's so crazy because when you look at your brand and you look at you and you look at your website, which by the way, I have to tell you is one of my all time favorite websites. It's thank you. epic. You look at it and you, you see somebody that you think would be a hundred percent confident all the time and out there sharing everything. I mean, that's the image that you put out there. And so it's really powerful to know that you had those doubts that other people, you know, a lot of people, um, have that they're not enough and you did it anyways. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for that. And I, I am trying and working on sharing more of that too, because I feel like there is kind of this, um, this like vibe, like you were talking about where we see these people on social media or with their brands and think like, Ugh, they have it all together. Like they know exactly what they're doing, but it's usually not the case. And, and there's a lot of belief issues that everyone has. So I, I try to, to share those and share my past experiences too, just to kind of shift that conversation about like, it's okay to not have it all together. That's actually pretty darn normal. Yeah. The world needs that transparency. And speaking of transparency, I'm so excited to ask you about this next thing. Yeah. You publish your income from your brand and your expenses, everything online, every single month on your website. That's a while. I do. Why? I do. Why? Yeah. Good question. Um, so for a few reasons, one is that I'm in this online business, internet marketing, whatever you want to call it space. It's a pretty new industry and a lot of people don't understand what's possible. Like you could look online right now and Google what's the average salary for an attorney or a nurse or um, any anyone, right? You kind of have this vision of what's possible. But for somebody who's starting an online business in this new industry where a lot of people keep their stats hidden, 
it's really hard for people to figure out like, is this actually feasible, this goal I have, or is this a pipe dream that's never going to happen? Um, so I wanted to show people what's possible, but also show them like where I started from and, and how I've been getting to grow my business over the past few years. So I didn't do income reports from the very beginning. I wish I did. Um, but I started them when I was making about $9,000 a month from my web design business. And, and to look like people can look back in my archives and see that, um, from a couple years ago. And then now uh, be able to see that we're doing over $200,000 a month. So to see that kind of growth, um, knowing that it came from this place where we were earning much less per month from, um, from the business. So it's not like they look at my business and think like, oh, she has been making $200,000 a month for her entire life. Right. <laughs> um, but to actually see that, that there is this growth process that's part of it too. And to shed light on like how to do that for your own business as well. Um, and, and just kind of that transparency of wanting people to know that I'm, I'm not hiding anything. Like I'm putting all my cards on the table. I'm showing you all of the tools uh, that I use, the people that I hire and, and letting you take that information and create your own business too, because I don't want anyone to feel like I'm hiding something or being secretive or, um, just not being willing to share. That's, that's definitely not me. So that transparency as well. It's and the last the, reason, oh, go ahead, sorry. yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say one of the coolest things I've ever seen. What was the last thing? Yeah. The last thing, um, for me is that there are some people who do income reports online and I've always admired that they did that and it really inspired me, but I found that most of them are men. Um, and I, I feel there are a lot of women in my community and I feel like women, especially as entrepreneurs, uh, feel like they have to work harder to be recognized or to be, um, somebody who other people respect. So I wanted to show the other women in my community too, that, Hey, like as a woman, you can do whatever the heck you want. Like you are worthy and your dreams are possible. Yes, yes. And yes to all of that, that freaking rocks. And I just want to, you know, you kind of skimmed over it, but I'm going to point out to people, you went from nine grand a month, just a year and a half ago to almost $300,000 <laughs> last month. How do you explain? Okay. Actually, here's a question before I ask that. Did you ever think you'd make 300 grand in a month? Honestly, no. <laughs> I that definitely was not something that I was ever expecting. Um, yeah, <laughs> definitely never expecting. Insane. Okay, so how do you explain that incredible growth because that is fast? Yeah, thank you. Um I feel like the biggest thing that I did, I mean, I when I put my fear mask on the table and I was just like, I'm done, I'm going to just do this thing. That's when things started to change. So me just putting myself out there and, and being willing to take chances and make mistakes and, and look ridiculous if, if that ended up happening, um, and be okay with it. So I think that was a huge part of it that I, that I see a lot of other people holding themselves back with is just removing that fear, allowing myself to stumble and to just do the crazy things that I wanted to try. Um, and and also part of it, I feel is just caring about people. Like I really care about the people in my community and I, and I make it known to them too. Like I'm very much about building a community so that people feel seen and feel like they matter and they feel heard and understood. And I feel like that's a huge reason why we were able to, to get so many people in our community so quickly is just that they felt like they were being taken care of. So I like someone like Gary Vee, I resonate so much with his message of just caring. Like that's, 
he says that that's like the secret to his success too, is, is caring about people. And I, and I so see that and, and resonate with that. It's amazing that, you know, the authenticity is the secret to success because it's so simple. Yes. It's amazing. Okay. Yeah. So let me, what's the web address so people can go check out this income report. Cause it's wild. So my website is melissagriffin.com and my first name is spelled with a Y, not an I, melissagriffin.com. Now, what's the fastest way to an audience right now? Everybody is, you know, they're starting these online businesses and you need an audience in order to monetize them. What is the fastest way to an audience? So definitely caring is up there. Um, I would also say collaboration. So finding other people who are doing similar things or have an audience that you want to reach and figuring out ways that you can add value to their audiences and then pitching those people and, and telling them how you want to add value to their audience. And, and that will get you more known in this industry, whatever industry you're in, it will grow your email list um, and it will grow your tribe too. So collaboration is huge in growing your own community. And then I'd also say video. So, and this could be part of your collaboration strategy as well, but getting on video and doing Facebook lives or Instagram stories, which you're so good at Chris, um, or doing YouTube or whatever kind of video you feel comfortable with and want to do, but getting on video is huge. I think, I mean, this is just like a random stat I'm throwing out there, but I feel like if you create a brand where you share helpful information through video, you could grow an audience like five times faster than if you create written content, like a blog post. So I did blogging for years and I think it was great, but it didn't have that personal connection that the video does. So it didn't really necessarily connect me to my audience in the same deep way that doing a video would, or even a podcast where you can really get a feel for somebody's personality um, and feel like you know them. Because when you create that, that deeper connection, then it's like, you can do anything, right? These people are your homies. They are in your tribe and they are, they are there for you. Um, so video collaboration and, and letting go of that fear. And just, I think most of us have the answers inside of us already. So letting go of the fear and doing the stuff you already know is true. Is one platform better than another one right now? For video? Uh, for anything, for building audience, you know, should you be doing your video on Instagram or Facebook lives or, you know, like what is the one or two platforms that you must be on? Yeah, I would say Facebook Live is is huge. Um, you can repurpose your Facebook Lives as well. So you could do a class, like teach a 20-minute class, just you speaking on Facebook Live, and then repurpose that into a YouTube video. Just upload it to YouTube. Put it on your blog as well. You can even get somebody to transcribe the class that you taught and then have them rework it into a blog post that you can post or Instagram uh, little short videos that you can use that Facebook live and repurpose like a clip from the Facebook live onto your Instagram. Um, so start with Facebook live, I would say, and then repurpose that into all of these other platforms. So you're building these different touch points for people to get acquainted with you wherever they are hanging out, but you're only creating one video, if that makes sense. It's genius. And so this kind of brings up my next question. You know, here we are talking about videos, the fastest way to an audience now, et cetera, et cetera but you're also kind of known as this Pinterest genius and, and that has been a big chunk of your success. So is Pinterest dead or can we still build a great audience and make good money on Pinterest? Pinterest is alive and kicking. <laughs> 
Um, Pinterest is, is an awesome platform for getting traffic to your website. So if you want to get um, more eyeballs on your blog posts or more people to your YouTube channel or more people listening to your podcast or buying your products, it is a fantastic platform. It's still one of my number one traffic drivers to my website. Um, so Pinterest is absolutely a great medium to grow an audience. Obviously, if you want to grow like that deep connection with people, you need to have some substance when they get to your website. But in terms of driving traffic um, and using that to get people on your email list, for example, it's it's really valuable. Can you give us some tips, some how to? Absolutely. So one of my favorite things to tell people about Pinterest that most people don't really consider is that it's a search engine. So a lot of people kind of clump it in to social media sites like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Maybe it's because you have to create a user profile. Maybe that kind of adds to that social media flair, but it's not a social media platform at all. So it's very much a search engine, just like Google. Um, and if you've heard of search engine optimization for Google or SEO, it, it is a big thing that you can do on your for your website in order to get more traffic from Google. But what a lot of people don't consider is that you can use the same SEO principles on Pinterest in order to also drive traffic to your website from Pinterest. So that is a lot of what I teach. So a few things that you can do in terms of utilizing SEO on Pinterest to get traffic to your website. Number one is to use keywords. So if you're, it's, it's kind of like the same thing as if you're trying to get traffic from Google. If you're trying to get traffic from Google, you want to make sure that you're using keywords, long tail keywords in your blog posts and on your website. Um, and these are keywords that you want to be known for. So whatever kind of word or phrase is very representative of you and your business, and then that's something that you would want to try and get traffic from Google with. So on Pinterest, you want to find those keywords too. So think about what are people typing into Pinterest in order to find your content? So what would they be going into Pinterest and typing in? And for each pin that you share on Pinterest, so whatever pin image, um, let's say it leads to one of your blog posts. So you, you put that image into your blog post, you pin it onto Pinterest, and then you have the option to add a description below that pin. And in that description is where you want to add your keywords. So if my blog post was about um, how to grow potatoes. Like, I don't know why that was the example that just came to my head, but <laughs> how to grow potatoes. And that's what you, you pinned on the Pinterest. Then your in your Pinterest pin description, you would want to put things like grow potatoes or gardening tips or, um, grow your own vegetables, different things like that. Right. But you want to make sure that these are keywords that people are actually searching for. So a little tip that you can use to, to figure that out is go onto Pinterest. They have a little search bar where you can search for anything, type in some of the keywords that you're considering and then hit enter. And Pinterest actually has this really cool feature where, where below they'll actually give you a list of long tail keywords, words that you can add to your original search phrase in order to make it longer and more specific. And they're in order of um, the volume that people search for that phrase. So you now know what are the best keywords that you can be using surrounding that topic of the piece of content you created. Does that, are you with me still? I'm totally with sense? you. You're a okay. freaking genius. I love it. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Um, 
put those words into your pins description. So usually there's, there's only space for about three keywords. So make them your best ones, obviously. Uh, and then pin that onto Pinterest and then do the same thing for your board titles. So on Pinterest, you have boards that you can title whatever you want. Make sure that those are searchable board titles. So things that people are searching for, make them a little bit specific. And then also if you click into any of your boards, you open the board, you can add a description to your board. So I just fill that thing with a bunch of keywords as well. So all these keywords that are representative of the content that I pin onto that particular board. Um, and then you can also add keywords to your profile name on Pinterest too. So you are just pimping out your Pinterest profile, all of your pins with keywords to make sure that when people are searching for these things, they're actually finding your stuff. And when they find your stuff, when it goes to the top of their Pinterest feed, then that means you're going to get more repins, which means they're sharing it with all of their followers. Um, they're going to click through and actually read your article or listen to your podcast or whatever it is, download your, your free workbook. Um, and, and it's going to help you get more traffic and grow your email list. So to me, that is the biggest thing that everyone should do on Pinterest. In addition to things like pinning consistently, um, and there are schedulers out there like board booster and tailwind that help you do that very easily and, and actually on autopilot. So you don't have to be on Pinterest every day. Um, but, but pinning consistently is big as well. And then just using those keywords and having, nice vertical images that have the title of your piece of content right on top of the image. Melissa, this is the first time that Pinterest has actually made sense to me. I'm, I'm not kidding. I thought it was like, really, yeah, I thought it was for like arts and crafts or something yeah. like that. And I pictured it as social media, but you finally made it make sense for me. It's not social media in the traditional sense that we think of social media. It's a traffic play. That's the value in it. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Yeah. You totally get it. Yeah. It is. I mean, like when were you, I, I, when were you ever social on Pinterest, right? Like we don't go Never. on there to leave comments. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just kind of this reframe of, of how we think about it. But then once you get that, it's so much easier to apply SEO to it and, and really see it take off. Makes me want to learn it now. Okay. So you have, and I'm just going to give you a shameless plug here, but I know you have an incredible Pinterest course, because everything that you just went through, people probably, they want to learn that in more detail. Where would they find it? How do they get it? Because it's good stuff. Well, thank you. So you can find it at pinfinitegrowth.com. Um, and then I also have a free class at workshopsbymel.com slash Pinterest. So that free class is about an hour long. It shows you more in depth about how to use SEO and um, and, and the, the basics of what you would need in order to get started really using Pinterest successfully. So that one's workshops by slash Pinterest. You're always so generous with your, your free tips and your free this and your free that. And, and that's one of the things that makes the, the world go round. So thank you. Oh, thank you. So you mentioned something that you just kind of skimmed over before, but I'm gonna make you talk about it. You said you have a new podcast coming up. Tell us about it. I do. So I'm launching a podcast on June 27th called Pursuit with Purpose. Um, and it's going to be about, so I've, I've done a lot of teaching um, and courses about ways to grow your business. So marketing and audience building and things like that. But I, I found that there's kind of this lack of um, not teaching the personal development side or the how to add more meaning to your life side. So I'm doing kind of like a combination with this podcast where I'm going to be interviewing people who I feel are doing really meaningful work 
with their business and in their lives that I think can help other entrepreneurs create more meaning in their life and business too. So um, it's very much about pursuing your biggest goals with that purpose and vision and intention. So it's called Pursuit with Purpose. Again, everything that I absolutely love. Okay, so where can people find it once it comes out? Like, how are we going to know when it's out? Yeah, so you can actually go right now to melissagriffin.com slash pursuit, and you'll be able to sign up for a little waiting list. And as soon as it comes out, you will be the first person to know when the first episodes are. And um, they're good. They're going to be really good. So definitely go to per, uh, melissagriffin.com slash pursuit and sign up for that. I love it. Now, I want to get into something that was one of the original reasons that I wanted to have you on the podcast. And that is you raised almost $120,000 for Pencils of Promise in two weeks. So first of all, oh my God, I love you. Second of all, <laughs> how? How did you raise $120,000 for charity in two weeks? Thank you, Chris. Um, I feel like, first of all, I feel like you should be a TV show host like you are so, or like a radio show announcer. <laughs> God, I don't know. But that, like, <laughs> that made me so excited the way you just said that. Um, but thank you. I, I, yeah, we, a few months ago, we did our first big fundraiser. It was something that I'd wanted to do for, for many months and really wanted to start adding more of that philanthropic aspect to my business and my life. So we picked a charity called Pencils of Promise, which builds schools for children in developing countries. So we're actually, with that money, going to be able to build over three schools in Ghana, in Africa. Um, and, and the way that we did it is we really we, we used it as a launch. So when we launch our online courses, we go all out with email sequences and webinars and, um, different social media things and Facebook lives. And we just did that same model for this fundraiser. So I did all of the same things like emails and I did a webinar, but everything was leading to the fundraiser, um, in the end. So what I did was I offered up a lot of my courses and different things that I've created over time. And I kind of bundled them together. So people were getting some really great deals on different courses and products and, all of the money that, that we raised from those purchases went straight to Pencils of Promise. So we ended up uh, all together in about two weeks raising $119,000 from that. That's wild. And I just want to point out, so everybody caught that. You took a lot of your programs that you could have monetized and kept the money by doing a launch because these launches, they cost you money, all the Facebook ads and all that stuff. And yeah. instead, you sacrificed them, and, and I mean that in the most pos positive of terms, in order to trade them for money so that you could raise this epic amount of money for pencils of promise. We did. We did. Yeah. That's um, and it, it worked really well. It worked really well. And my, my thought process was like, I wanted to come at this from a place of abundance where yes, maybe I would be losing a little bit of money. We actually barely saw a decrease that month. Um, if anything at all, but yes, maybe I'd be losing some people who would be buying my courses in the future, or maybe for that month, maybe our revenue would go down, but I didn't want to do this fundraiser and, and have that be the feeling that I had. I wanted it to come from this place of, we have so much already that it doesn't even matter that we are um, giving away these courses kind of in a sense in order to, to donate money to Pencils of Promise. Like it's not hurting us at all. It's only helping 
all of our community and the communities that we're going to be able to help. So that mindset shift of just abundance was what helped us be able to do that and, and not feel that fear of money or loss as part of it. Amen. And, and that's exactly why this podcast was started. When good people make good money, they do great things. And that's that's what you did. You did great things with this audience and this money that you're making because you Thank kicked you. in 20 grand of your own money as well, didn't you? I did. I did. Thank you, Chris. That's amazing. Now, I got to talk to you about the 20 grand that you kicked in. Yeah. Um, I read somewhere, I forget if it was your website or somewhere else, that that wasn't an easy thing for you to do. And not because you cared about the 20 grand, but you still struggle once in a while with your own personal money mindset that, um, you know, growing up as a kid, you didn't have a lot of money and, and the fear creeps in that what if it all goes away? Am I right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Can yeah. you talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah. So I, I did. I grew up um, with a single mom who was doing her best and, and we just didn't end up having that much money when I was a kid. My earliest memory actually was with my mom. We were in a, a motel that we were living in and I just remember the manager coming and yelling at us to get out because we hadn't paid our bill in a long time. I was only like four, so I kind of didn't really understand what was going on, but I gathered based on the situation. Um, and that was just kind of like the beginning of just a series of um, experiences that I had growing up where I just felt poor. Like there were just different things that made me feel poor. And I think when you grow up with that kind of circumstance, then it it's kind of like part of your mindset. It, it kind of infiltrates even now, even though we're making over a million dollars a year, it still makes me feel sometimes like we are not making enough or it's going to go away or all of these kinds of negative thought patterns that exist from my childhood are like creeping in as an adult. Um, so that's something that I've really been working on too, is letting go of that fear of everything is going to go away and just making smart decisions and being okay with, with what happens, but knowing that, um, the past is not the current, right? Like that, that's something that happened a long time ago and doesn't dictate my life now, but very much is a part of something that I've had to work through as an entrepreneur for sure. Can I ask you to take that a step further? How have you worked on it specifically? How have you started to bust through this, this mindset that could have held you back? I think a big part, that's a good question. I think, um, a big part of it is recognizing that it's there. So whenever I do feel those pangs of like, wow, we just had a great month, but ugh, like, what if we don't the next month, those feelings, when I see that that's happening, those thought patterns are there. I think that's the step where you can take action. It's at that point where you don't recognize what's happening. You don't attach it to your past or you don't see the kind of connection there that it's really hard to make that change. But when you see it happening, it's easier to, to actually go back to kind of what I was talking about earlier, the CBT method where you think the fear, the anxiety, the thing from your past, and then you start to rattle off pieces of evidence in your head that, that help you realize that that's not true. So it's like, we're going to be poor next month. Um, because this month we did a great job. We, we earned a lot of, um, revenue for the business, but then there's the evidence that like, Hey, we actually have been pretty consistent every month, or actually we're coming out with a new product next month or all of these different things to help me just retrain those, those <laughs> thought patterns in my mind. Um, that that need to be kind of changed. So recognizing it and then just 
proving myself wrong over and over again until it becomes habit. And it's just part of my, my new thought pattern. Do you think it'll ever go away totally? Um, I think it's also one of those things like fear where it just kind of sits dormant, but it's still there. I think anything that we grew up with, that's really a big part of our mindset is always part of us, but it's just not active, right? It's not, it's not, um, something that we think about often. So I do feel myself definitely getting more to that point where it's not something that I think about very often. Um, but it's, it's still there. It probably always will be to some extent. Yeah. You just kind of learn how to manage it better. Yeah, I love that. exactly. Now you've gone from somebody who had this lack of abundance mindset to a, this thriving abundance mindset. And I know for a fact that one of your future goals is to form your own foundation so that you can provide money and grants and all that cool stuff to special causes that really light you up. So what describe for us, you know, in a couple of years or whenever it happens, what is going to be your dream foundation? Yeah. Well, I want to create something that helps people become their best or live their best lives. Um, I'm very much interested in things involving creativity for kids, especially kids who maybe don't have access to creative classes, or maybe they are in neighborhoods where gangs or drugs are like something that is very popular where they live. It's just kind of the standard and being able to create that kind of change where they feel like they actually have a different outlet or a different direction that they can take where they feel seen and understood. Um, so organizations that are fighting those types of those battles and, um, and organizations too, that are very much about education and, and helping women and single mothers and mothers who maybe have been abused or have had certain issues in their lives that have made it difficult for them to raise their children. So anything involving those types of topics, like, uh, women and just helping people get out of maybe negative situations and live their best life. Cause I feel like we all have that potential, but sometimes our circumstances circumstances just make it a little bit more difficult. So it's our job to really try and lift up those people that maybe just need a little bit extra help or some sort of program to to help them get to where they really want to be in their life. That's incredible. I cannot wait to to watch this thing start to form and, and thrive over time. Thank so you. you obviously got quite a giving heart and, and, you know, here you are this perfect combination of massively successful, but massively giving. And I, I put everybody on the spot on these interviews. Now I make everybody do this. <laughs> so whether you're comfortable or not, I call it two minutes of bragging. Wow. What is your all time favorite moment of giving that you can remember? Ooh, um, all time favorite moment of giving. I mean, the pencil of promising is definitely up there, but I, okay, I wouldn't, <laughs> I don't know that this is my all time favorite, but this is something that has been in my mind lately. Last week, I had just this crazy week where I, I think I'm a pretty, like, I love talking to people. I love making people feel wanted and, and like that they matter. So wherever I am, I'm always talking to people and trying to get to know them. And I just had this experience last week where uh, several different times I was talking to like a bartender who was from Brazil and just felt like he wasn't, um, being noticed where he lived in New York. Um, I was in New York at the time and, um, I just had a great conversation with him about 
just all of these different things. But he was saying how he felt so seen in that moment. Um, and then just like gave me free drinks for me and my friends. Or I had this other moment where I was talking to um, another person at a smoothie place in LA and talking to them about how she wanted to be um, a forensic what was it a forensic profiler and she was in grad school and just trying to make ends meet. And she just told me all of these great stories about her life. And then she ended up giving me all this free, these free smoothies. <laughs> and, um, and I've had so many experiences like that in the past couple of weeks where I feel like the biggest thing that you can give is just your heart to other people in any moment and wherever you are, just making those people feel seen and listening to their stories and asking beyond the basic, like, hi, how are you kind of questions, but really digging into who they are as people, because it's so easy to walk around or to go on the internet and forget that we're surrounded by so many stories and so many people who are doing amazing things and who want to be seen and feel like they matter, um, even to a stranger. So those moments I think are my biggest, my biggest periods of giving, or, um, when I feel like I've given the most where I know that I've made just one person feel like they matter a little bit more than maybe they did before. Wow, Melissa, that's an incredible answer because that's something everybody can afford to do. I mean, yes. here you raised 120 grand for Pencils of Promise. People would think, oh, you know, that's going to be the, the best moment ever. But it's in giving of your heart and everybody can afford to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Incredible. So before I ask the last question, everyone's going to be dying to find you. Where are the best places for people to find you, see your stuff, get in touch with you? So my website is melissagriffin.com. And again, my name is kind of spelled funky. It's M-E-L-Y-S-S-A. But melissagriffin.com is the best place to find me. That's where you can sign up for my email list if you want a bunch of free resources for entrepreneurs. I've also got free workshops that you can sign up for. I have a Facebook community for entrepreneurs. Um, all of that is on my website. So that would be the best place to find me. We didn't even talk about that Facebook community. It's huge, isn't it? I, it has now about 65,000 people in it. And you're it in there big. active every day? I do my best. I try, I go in there on Mondays and Thursdays to answer questions. That's incredible. We will put all of that in the show notes because people are going to, they're definitely going to want to get in there. All right. Last question. And I ask everybody this question. It's always interesting Ooh, to see the different excited. range of, <laughs> of answers here, but why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of wealth and success? Ooh, I like that question. Um, I feel like you should be unapologetic because this is your life. Like you have one life. We take our lives so seriously, which is great. Like you should take it seriously, but it's almost too serious where it's like, we forget that we're this little speck on a tiny speck planet in a, in a little universe, right? We, we kind of lose that perspective, but I think everyone should be unapologetic about going for their biggest goals and vision and achieving whatever kind of wealth feels good and fulfilling to them because you have one life and every single day that you don't spend in alignment with your biggest goals and vision and purpose is a day that is wasted and you can't get back. So go for your goals because what else are you on this planet to do? And, um, and definitely make the most of the time that you have here because it's very limited. Incredible. Melissa, you know, you said your favorite giving moment is when you give up your heart. That's what you just did to us for about the last hour. And I want to give you the biggest, fattest, hugest thank you ever. 
Thank you so much, Chris. You are an amazing interviewer. This was so much fun. I, I love the questions that you ask. You obviously have a huge heart yourself. So thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.